We're live, baby. All right. It's a Thanksgiving Day miracle. Oh, what would you guys do without me? <laughs> <laughs> Figure it miracle. out, but just obviously a little slower. Steven's a Thanksgiving no Day miracle. No snide commentary. Yeah. <laughs> you really set me up for that one. It'd be a lot less face palms, uh, a lot less uh, <laughs> table punches. <laughs> you so can the use the, uh, the remote right there, God. Jordan. Yeah. Okay. That Welcome was fun. To the- yeah. So for those who don't know, we just did a whole we we were did the podcast for ten minutes before realizing it wasn't actually live. So yeah. now we're gonna pretend that we didn't just say all that stuff. Yeah, rehearsal. <laughs> it's like a real show. Um, welcome everyone to the Alpha Alpha Podcast presented by Zebiotics. We are Eric Johansson, Steven Cesaro, Armand Asadi. I'm Nick Urbani. Armand Asadi is not here this week. Papa's gone. Steven's sitting in his chair. And uh, you think you can fill those britches over there? Or you definitely can't fill that that junk in the trunk. That, should, I, uh, should I use the same giant ass joke I used before? <laughs> you gotta keep making the same joke. Insert dude. giant ass joke. <laughs> yeah, no, the seat is very deep. Yeah, it's very deep. Well, Armand's watching. He's here in spirit. It's been a wide load sitting in what here. What was that for bottle of wine he was drinking last night? That looked like uh, oh, Opus One. Opus One, but it was a particular. Oh, it was like a '99, I think. Yeah, fancy. Rich. Yeah, very rich. Jeez, Jeez. leaving us life. here to. All right. We'll allow it. Um, welcome to everyone in the chat. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for bearing with us, as always, every week. Uh, we got Calcium, Tom Nom Nom, Matt, Jen Sinius, Dan. We got a whole crew in here. Thank you for joining us live. And uh, if you're listening Tunsky. on the podcast, Tunsky's in there. I see you, Tunsky. Yep. Um, <laughs> if you're joining us on the podcast, uh, feel free to join the fun uh, Wednesdays at 5 p.m. PST. And we'd love to have you here. All right. Uh, Eric, what are you drinking there? Looks like a little tequila. Yeah, much like our uh, content the content today. It's just a little all over the place. I'm on the tequila. You're on the, the whiskey. I'm on the King's the King's whiskey from Bhutan, and uh, you're going to try to fight a cold. Steven's not drinking the, today, but he does have a glass of whiskey in his hand. Is that a prop, or are you going to actually drink it today? Yeah, I, no, I'm drinking it. Okay. What's that saying? Like, feed a cold, starve a fever... Mm. get everything else drunk. I think that's when uh, everyone's life expectancy was about 42. Yeah. So uh, probably shouldn't follow those guidelines. All right. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> all right. Well, let's give a shout out to our sponsor, Zbiotics. The URL is slash alfalfa. Um, yeah. Uh, check out the URL. Get a discount off your first order. Uh, I think it's a perfect holiday gift. Perfect to give holiday around, gift. Give around to everyone, friends, family, those who choose to imbibe I think uh, it's a good gift amount, like right in that zone. You can give them the three pack or the tw- up to the twelve pack if you're feeling. Yeah, just depending generous. on how important that person is, you can go from <laughs> three to life. twelve. I don't know if there's like a one bottle thing just for a little. That'd be a great stocking stuffer. I think it's a good white whoop. elephant gift, actually. Yeah, That's yeah, a great one. Yeah. Um, so for those of the listening for the first time, uh, Zbiotics is a probiotic you take before you drink. And uh, it kills that nasty little toxin, acetaldehyde, that makes you feel like crap in the morning. Most people think it's the uh, dehydration. So you take all those electrolytes and drink water and all your uh, other cures and remedies. But uh, it's that toxin that makes you feel bad. So Zbiotics takes care of that for you. So check out zbiotics.com slash alfalfa for the discount code. And feel free to share it around. At Thanksgiving, uh, around the holidays, uh, we're going to you know keep mentioning it. Uh, every episode, and I think we have a giveaway coming up. But uh, before we do, you want to mention the uh, NFTs, collectibles we got going on? Yeah. Yeah. So as you guys know, we've been uh, 
We've been doing the uh, the, the NFTs through pods.media. You can basically collect an NFT of every episode now. Uh, we went live with our launch collection, which will be available through the end of the year. And uh, we're going to release an NFT for every episode moving forward. I think they're going to be live for seven days. So there's going to be a little scarcity to them. Mm, so some of, you, some of you guys can hoard a bunch of them and... When the newcomers come down the road, they don't they don't have every episode. You can you know maybe sell them for a little markup. I don't know. Not <laughs> financial gotta, advice. You got to collect them all. You got to collect, collect them all. Them all. Um, and uh, we're we're going to be dropping the price on the uh, regular episodes now because um, you know we did the launch collection and realized it was going to start adding up for you guys who want to you know collect every episode. So we're probably going to cut them to around I don't know like five bucks or so, um, which is about a third of what we launched with. Um, cool. So. Looking forward to that. We have any uh, people on the leaderboard that we should yeah, mention? Yeah, so shout out to the collectors of last week's NFT. Uh, first place, Adam Snyder. Thank you, Adam. Adam big Snyder. fan, big fan. AdamSnyder.eth. And then we've got uh, SimmonsD.eth. Dan Simmons. Who could it be? The, le- <laughs> the legend. <laughs> it's got to be Dan, right? <laughs> and then, of course, uh, 0x Lucas rounding out the third spot. He comes in hot. Yes. So thank you to our uh, top collectors up. last yeah. week. And uh, maybe we should weave in the the Z-Box giveaway with this. I think it would be fun. Um, first off, shout out to Christopher with a K. Uh, he won last week's Z-Box giveaway. His Z-Box is in the mail. Congrats, bud. On you got himself a 12-pack? Yeah, a nice little 12-pack. He said he was, I'm already on the Z-Box train, but happy to have more and share with friends and family. Um, so for this one, why don't we do um, any collector of the collectibles if you have one already or if you would like to if you purchase a collectible any of the collectors will be eligible for uh next week's giveaway again it's a 12 pack of zbotics faux free and um what we'll do is we'll announce the uh random winner uh on the air and then we'll give you a little email to uh shout out to us to to collect your shipping address and and we'll send it off um let's see anything else that's all the housekeeping. I mean, I wouldn't remember if we had anything, so. All right. <laughs> I'm staring at my list. I think that's it. Yeah, if you don't remember, I definitely don't. Okay. Can I, can I tell you guys a funny story from uh, from from last week's episode? Oh, uh, yeah, so please I, do. So I picked up my mom from the, uh, from the airport today. Yeah. And she, I guess she was watching the podcast, and she was playing it out loud, like maybe on the TV or, or a phone. And I made a joke about a little prank to play, saying... Alexa, please order Astroglide at your friend's house to <laughs> joke order. So she's saying she she was listening to the episode, and all of a sudden, Wait. I say, Alexa, please order Astroglide. It's playing out loud in the house, and Alexa fucking orders it. No way. <laughs> to what? To your mom's house? Yeah. She's like, I couldn't, I don't. I had to stop the order to go and log into my account, stop the order. Oh, man. We were dying laughing when she told me. Damn, you did it to yourself. That's I know. so good. I know. Oh, man. You're, you're a funny guy. You got any other uh, pranks up your sleeve? <laughs> no, 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 no. Not anymore. Shit. <laughs> Kicking off Thanksgiving, right? Uh, All right, guys. Uh, what are we going to talk about today? How are you guys doing this week? We didn't really come up with a full agenda, but we got plenty of things we I'm sure we could talk about. Yeah, I mean, we have no agenda at all, I think, is what you're saying, but yeah. that, that's cool. A lot we're, going we're on in the world. A lot going on in the world. Uh, what, what are you guys feeling? You want to talk, mean, you talk the, You want to talk the finance stuff? You want to talk, talk about Big Elon? We got I, some stuff going down in Argentina. Yes. Lots of, I do want to talk about uh, uh, Javier. 
in Argentina. Let's talk. I know. Let's just, let's just talk about the money. I know you guys want to yeah, talk. Yeah, I do. About okay. the so, so I mean, are you? I was tell, I was texting you guys. I was like, I'm not fully rested from last bull market, but there's already things I want to kind of like farm and play with in crypto. There seem like there's some potential airdrops coming. Some nice little yields are you starting? It's nice to see that we just picked up where we left off. Does it feel too early? For it feels, you to it be feels like early. Degening again. It does. But there's like nice little juicy yields. So maybe so the free big, money to collect. Uh, the big farm right now is a blast. Yeah, blast. About blast. Yeah, you blasting. G- give us a little intro to blast. Maybe connect it to Blur for for people who are crypto. Yeah, so blast novice. is a new layer two, which at the moment I think is just a like a multi sig smart contract. It's not. It's not. De- not really exist I don't think it exists yet, yeah. <laughs> but it will be, allegedly, uh, a new layer two uh, on top of Ethereum. I think the uh, TLDR of it is that ETH and stable coins on Blast are just going to give you native yield. I think the L2 just automatically invests Ethereum on it and stable coins in, in, like in, in uh, Lido and DAI, which is, you know, a little... A little degenerate, right? You're you're basically just we're just we're just doing a thing from last cycle where we're uh, we're just going to stack a bunch of uh, smart contract. So is this like a coat ticket situation? Like I walk in the door, I hand them my coat, they give me a ticket, and it, and in my wallet it says I have ETH, but in reality, uh, I hold a ticket which is the coats like in ST ETH, and it's actually getting yield. Well, it's like if you there's you could call up like the Arbitrum contract, and you basically see like all of the ETH. Right, but it's just sitting in ETH, so they're just gonna take that, but then put it all in Lido, I guess, and then give you the yield. I mean, technical risk aside, I'm a fan. It's kind of noob friendly, I guess. You just hold assets and you you make yield. Yeah, so probably like three to four percent on your ETH, probably like four to five percent on your stable coins. I'm gonna I'm gonna play the airdrop. I don't really care about the layer two that much. Yeah, you, know, you want to like, get into that part of it? Yeah, I mean, I've heard people throwing out numbers that you might you might basically get like 30% or so of the ETH you put in. I saw on Twitter today somebody degened in 10,000 ETH. I saw it. We were in a meeting. <laughs> we were in a meeting and my business partner just like mutes the thing and, and whispers, someone just dropped 10,000 ETH on, <laughs> on the L2. And I was like, what? Damn, Rodino, just that. Yeah. I just want to know meeting. who that person is. Like I mean, who, to throw around that? what was that twenty million bucks? Twenty million, yeah. Yeah, throw on twenty million bucks. So here's the catch: this L2 doesn't exist yet. So you, you got to deposit it now to get the max rewards, but you won't be able to withdraw until the layer two is live. Devs are estimating February. Who knows when it could actually be? I mean, February is kind of arbitrary, if you ask me. But um, yeah, you won't you won't be able to pull the money back out. And you know, I think at at this point, if you're a multi cycler, you have to be suspicious. And some discount rate that you may not be able to pull this money out of at course. all. And uh, you know, wor- it could get worse. So <laughs> as 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 always, best practices: send ETH to a brand new wallet address that's that's empty, and then uh, use that to deposit. Good. Yeah, that's all what good. I did. You gotta you gotta hook up your Twitter account too. So I'm like, oh, I'm, not, fun. I'm not doxing my wallet. So yeah, you gotta mix it through an exchange and set up a new wallet and do it. Um, but yeah, if anybody's not <laughs> completely uh you know complete ptsd from last uh last bull run there and you, you still have a desire to farm stuff 
Uh, I think it's, what is it, Blast.io? Yeah. I think it's the um, website. If, if you hop in the Discord, there's a lot of guys who are playing around with it in the money channel. Um, you know, I first texted you guys, and I was like, wait, what am I doing? I went to the Discord. I was like, eh, they're already on it. And also guys Lovely. giving, uh, you know, good, like, counter arguments, you know? Yeah. Uh, um, I helpful. think there's a, you should mention there's probably a little pedigree to this project because yeah, uh, the, the founders uh, are from Blur, which is the NFT marketplace that Pac-Man, kind of... man right? Yeah, that swooped uh, market share from OpenSea. So um, I, I think, you know, when we kind of go up at some point, uh, Blur might have uh, more market share than, than OpenSea. We'll see. Yeah. So there's a little pedigree, this project that, that has performed at a large scale. People have uh, been rewarded millions of dollars in airdrops. Um, so we'll see. This is a preview of the complete shit show that's going to happen this cycle where everybody and their mother just starts spinning up an L2. Like we talked about how this would definitely happen a long time ago, but now, now it's happening. I mean, the, the financial incentives are there. Like if you have an application, why wouldn't you just launch it on your L quote unquote L2 and, uh, you know, use optimisms, open source code, use, use whatever so that you can launch, you know, an airdrop, a, a token, um, the, the, I think if you're being generous, you call these things game mechanics. I think if you're being <laughs> pessimistic, you'd call them just Ponzi-nomics. Yep. And, uh, but they're, they're coming back and they're already here, which is, which is a little weird. It still feels like too soon. Nah, it's just right. Um, <laughs> th- this would be a very crypto thing for like, we just kick off the bull run and then there's a bug in the contract and we just lock up like a billion dollars of ETH and it's like not recoverable or something. Um, there's 300 mil, I think, in there already. Well, one guy put in 20 million of it today. Yeah. Jesus Christ. It sounds like a high number uh, for like three days since launch or whatever. How wild is crypto though? Like, why does this happen? Like the fact that you can just deploy a smart contract... And be like, ah, yeah, we'll give you an airdrop. And you get $300 million of economic Literally. value just immediately. In I mean, like as a, as a marketer, days. though, the game mechanics are pretty, that is wild. pretty epic, the way they yeah, build Yeah, but this think thing about, like, startup founders that are, like, looking to raise money. Oh, they're and killing like, themselves to yeah. get, like, one mil. Just just killing themselves. Armand, I hope you wrote that uh, business plan in, in pencil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if Steno was just an L2 with like a, a multi-sig. Oh my <laughs> God, it would have like, billions already. Like, oh yeah, it's like, an, oh, oh, it's an AI-based uh, layer two. Uh, Silicon Valley founder back at 100 mil. <laughs> but no, you're doing hard mode, Armand. Um, well, TVL is uh, different than money invested in the project. Uh, we got to get in these projects beforehand because like, while while I'm like reading this, I'm like getting excited. I'm like, oh, this looks interesting. Kind of want to play along. At the same time, I'm like, there was a group of people. You want like the advisor shares, the early yeah, early... like this airdrop token, whatever it's going to be called. Like they're at a discount to whatever the market's going to get. And uh, I think as a group, listeners included, we need half a syndicate. Win. Yeah, we need to Win. get our weasel our way in because I think that is the the ultimate way. It's pre- pretty wild if some guy just yolos in twenty mil and he just gets like a six million dollar airdrop. Yeah. That's, well, that's Stephen, nuts. I thought you played this pretty well. So I, and thanks for not responding to my text last night. By the way, wait, what? This. It's okay. It's fine. You were busy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, I was. Yeah, yeah, you were. Um, <laughs> so you know, one way is just to obviously bridge some money over. And hope that you get uh, a meaningful airdrop. But uh, Steven was kind of a little ahead of the game. Not yesterday, maybe the day before. You bought some Blur. Yeah, a few days ago. You bought some Blur. And, and I thought it was a nice risk return situation because um, 
having Blur boost the incentives of bridging some money over. And so you made some money without having to take any technical risks, without having to take any liquidity risk. And uh, I think you're up quite a bit. I mean, I saw it up 40% today. Yeah, bottom ticked it. It's up like 50% already. That's a good example of uh, the chart, just knowing stuff before the, did, the market does. Did you see does. that in the chart? Because like this is... I just bought it based on the chart. I didn't know all the stuff was happening. You didn't know? I was oh, like, oh you, that looks... It, uh, it wasn't about good. like Pac-Man's affiliation or anything. No, no, no. Wow. I didn't see any... I didn't know any of this. Like the second it was like kind of announced and became... Now everybody started obviously buying it up and I think a token... That is a pretty Came cool. Close to fifty uh, cents today. That's a cool hat tip to like technical analysis. I think. Yeah. Do you guys own any Blur? No. Mm-mm. Negative, sir. I feel like Blur is going to be one of the big winners this cycle, eventually, and it's going to be really freaking obvious in retrospect. Because like we talk about how Solana was kind of dead and now it's back and it is it's just crushing, right? There's nothing deader than NFTs. Like, NFTs are so dead. Uh, Like, the deadest of dead. But, like, we remember what they were like during their, like, hype cycle, like, the peak hype. And I I remember when they were happening, I was thinking to myself, this is so a thing. Like, this is obviously a thing. Like, I see how it affects people. I see why people like this, right? And then, obviously, price nukes 99 to 100%. And you're like, ah, that was was dumb. I'm so stupid, right? And then the price just kind of guides how you feel. Oh, oh Feech. I'm being told that Feech has donated $20.69. How lovely of you. Saying, wish happy, hug, wish us all a happy, happy Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Thank you. To everyone in Alpha Thank Alpha. you, Feech. We thank love you. Thank you, Feech. Roll one up for us. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Have a happy Thanksgiving. Uh, but yeah, Blur, I don't, I, I'm, I'm tired of NFT. They're, they're exhausting, right? So my NFT thing for this cycle is going to be like buy Punk, buy Blur token, and then just don't you, pay attention. <laughs> You kind of gave me PTSD. You're like, you remember the peak? And I remember the peak because I happened to be in Vegas with some family. Felt a little gambly. And I noticed that my CryptoPunk was probably worth like, I don't know, like 600, 800K. And you're like, this And makes I'm sense. texting with Eric this and our other sense. buddy. I'm like, what are we doing, boys? And we're like, I think all three of us replied, Hold we're fucking to the holding. Moon, yeah. baby. <laughs> we're keep holding my business partner without asking him. Just, repl- just randomly text me, you need to sell it immediately. Anyway. But I does remember he have a punk now? He does have a punk now. He does. He rebought. Yeah. He rebought uh, in. Well, there goes my point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're back. I guess you can sell the top and rebuy the bottom. Um, I have some uh, shitcoin confessions to make. Yeah. What are you doing? I don't know. I played around this weekend. Which, which Sunday night we special. Got some time on my hands. I bought some things. I don't know if I should have bought them. Uh, I bought the one you suggested on Magic Lines. I think. Which or was one? it irresponsibly long? Winner token, W-I-N-R. Oh, yeah. Nice little 15 mil market cap uh, token for... God, that thing can run. It's just like a complete degen casino, which I which I really love. Decentralized casino. Yeah. I feel like that's what people come to crypto for. Um, if not to like invest in it explicitly, implicitly, that's what you come here for. I bought uh, Scale, S-K-L. It's a EVM compatible like gaming L1. Don't ask me to provide a reason. Uh, and the third, uh, I bought some friend pet, which is down bigly because they just uh, friend pet is like a friend tech style app. You put it on your phone, same way you would use friend tech, except it's a little Tamagotchi game you play with. Okay, little little risk element there. Um, anyway, I bought some. 
Pretty sure it's down 50% already. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. Devs are down big. I'm already exhausted. I was exhausted just <laughs> yeah. like listening to it's that. It's kind of funny to hear you guys <laughs> talk about this because I think we all have our own personal risk tolerances where like, uh, you know, I could tell Steven's like, yeah, I'll do some NFTs, but it's only going to be punks and blur. And then like you're talking about these shit coins, you might be further out on the risk curve than anybody. Well, I, I size them appropriately. Let's okay, you size that. them appropriately. Yeah. I'm like disinterested in sort of shit coining at all. Uh, maybe it'll, maybe I'll like be sparked again if we're like deep enough into a bull market. But like, I feel like, you know, any of these coins that are sort of like the, the blue chips can also run considerably. So I don't really need to like step further out. Can mm. we, before we get into blue chips, can we talk about some of the crypto stonks? Your Riot play is playing out beautifully. Right. November, seasonality, mm. French kiss. Mm. Uh, yeah. Playing up well. Did you buy the options or you buy the common stock? I bought options. I bought March uh, 15 calls. Got an average. I probably got in around like a like a dollar five on the yeah. calls. Got um, like ninety percent of my position off. I think I'm. I think I'm good. I'm I'll, split between that position and the leaps, like you know, January of 2026. Dude, did you right. see? Did you see? Tether, the thing going around yeah, with Tether, so sure they're going to put like $500 million and deploy a lot of it into like Bitcoin mining stocks. So yeah, they want to get into the mining game, so they're going to get their own ASICs, plus let's just get some exposure through um, the publicly traded version. I just docked them 30 IQ points for getting into the mining game, but yeah, sure. I don't know. Maybe mining is good now. No, mining yeah, is the worst business model in the entire uh, world. Excuse you me, say sir. that now. Stop flooding my bags. No, no, it's <laughs> fine. The stock will go up. The stock price will go up. But being an owner of a mining company sounds horrendous. Oh, awful business. Yeah. Uh, maybe your uh, time horizon is just not long enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As long as the Bitcoin price doubles by fucking The only time horizon <laughs> you need to worry about is every two and a half years, you need to recapitalize the entire company with new equipment. That sounds real fun. You're like the guy who owned all that land on Mount Soledad in San Diego. Like, what am, what am I supposed to do with all this land? Yeah, just some cows on it. Like, who wants this land? <laughs> Bam. Could be. Yeah. Um, the other one that probably most people played along with us in is some Coinbase. Uh, sure hope you guys did. Yeah. Um, Dude, I'm up like 120% or so. On so um, I wanted to talk about something with you guys because I, I noticed something. Um, at the time I purchased, uh, I think Coinbase was around 70-ish, let's call it. I bought the 105 strike price mm. leaps. And I noticed that in terms of my rate of return, like the options are just barely outpacing the common stock. And so is that a function of delta, which determine that that tells you how much the option price is moving relative to the stock price? And should I expect that to move more as we get closer to the to the um, expiration or further past my strike price? Does anyone know the answer to that? It really depends on what you bought. Like for people out there who don't know anything about options, there's like a few components of an options contract. You've got your delta, you've got your vega, you've got your gamma, and then you've got your theta, right? Theta being time, vega being volatility, uh, delta is how much the option changes with the price of the underlying, and then the complicated one is is gamma. Gamma is sort of like convexity. It's, it's the rate of change like, of delta. It's sort of like it's the rate of change of yeah. delta. Is, it, was that, is that a derivative? Yeah, second derivative. Yeah. So I don't know. Depending on the strike price you bought, like 
when you buy your option, it's it's a good idea to look at like what am I buying? Am I speculating on? Am I? Everybody thinks they're speculating on price, right? But a lot of times, people are actually speculating on fall, <laughs> you know, just as much or even, you know, it's it's more on the short. Uh, maturities like on the shorter maturities is more of a vol game if you go longer maturities it's much more like you're buying the common stock and i assume you went with the leaps yeah december 2025 so it's gonna it's gonna closely mirror the stock um in particularly until, in this like early stages until when well what i would recommend to anybody is just like there's these option calculators online where you can like plug in a, a target price and see which performs better the stonk or the option you, you like plug in your option uh, observable data, the maturity and everything. And that'll, that'll give you the exact answer. You don't have to like really learn all these okay. Greeks. Um, but like with yours, what you'll find is that when you're like, when you're out of the money, um, the Delta will be lower than something that's in the money, but then the gamma is going to be higher. So those things offset as the stock price is increasing. Okay. So, um, you know, like how that, how that converges. What do you think? Um, let's say it's, uh, end of 2024. So I still got a year left in these things. Let's say Coinbase is at 300, 400. <laughs> what do you think will be more profitable, selling the option or actually exercising the option? Or should it be well, you're going to make more money selling the option because okay. you're going to have like some time premium and and like implied vol yeah. attached to the option. Okay. Yeah, like if my if Riot goes to like $40 tomorrow, it's it's going to like be worth like a ton because the exercise date is still way out in the future, right? So you have like as, as Eric said, you have all that like time is something that costs money, right? If you want to buy time, you're you're paying for it, right? And if I'm selling that option with like a ton of time, somebody's buying that, like I'm compensated for that. So it's I don't know. I don't I don't trade them that much to be honest. I, I think they're fun like trading uh, zero days, like if you're kind of day trading and like you're actually systematically doing stuff because like some of the gains on them could be wild like wild if you like time these like moves properly <laughs> this mentality is what makes my whole livelihood so i like i like that you're pitching this because i just sell them all the time <laughs> you sell these, these suckers <laughs> i sell lotto tickets do you sell any zero day options all the time you do yeah your portfolio is up quite a bit i know you probably don't want to share it publicly but like you well, know privately it, you're you're yeah, in this day and age, I mean, I think Nasdaq's up forty percent this year, so like it's easy to be up this year. Yeah, I guess you're right, but you, you've you've definitely added some yeah. alpha. Yeah, I there. feel I feel kind of weird because it's like it feels it feels weird getting rich after like coming out of this um, bear market. I feel like is it is it too soon? <laughs> I mean, this is this is just like 2021. You know how 2021 everybody was just a genius for just buying stuff and like everybody was a day trader and if you just bought stuff you made money. Hasn't the last like 2 years just been like everybody who sold premium is is a genius? Like hasn't hasn't that just like wildly outperformed the everything? Like there hasn't been a ton of realized vol, right? Well, I think that's kind of interesting cuz uh the three of us probably on an on an episode maybe a month ago I guess you were asking me, like, what are you doing in the options game? And I told you, there's nothing coming coming up on my screener that I look to sell options. Right. Basically saying premiums are so low, this is a good time to be buying. Yeah, we were talking a couple of months ago about how, like, being long, like, crypto options seemed, like, really good. Like, it's such a sustained period of nothing. And then coming into 
what we presumed might be like a nice season. Yeah. But again, ended up just playing that via the minors. Okay, what about um, this piece of news that that came in recently? I think it's kind of associated Coinbase, but like CZ mm. just got just got nabbed here, or did he? Um, Binance got. All I think is good for four. coin bags. Oh yeah, I Billion. saw I saw Stevens post. Steven posted a Twitter of uh, CZ saying four, which is his little moniker for saying all's good. Yeah, hold. Like, don't don't yeah. worry about the uh, fear, uncertainty, and doubt. It's all good. And Stephen posted four. Thousand dollar Coinbase. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this has to be positive coin. I, I think this was like one of the the our thesis going in was like when all the competitors just start falling by the wayside. FTX, BlockFi, Voyager, etc. Now Binance getting getting slapped. Like there's only I, one left standing. I, I will say I was kind of as a Coinbase bag holder, I was a little disappointed that they're they're still going to operate, right? And Coinbase got yeah. the license to do some uh, perpetual futures internationally and mm -hmm. i was hoping that the binance the binance uh binance. house would binance <laughs> would crumble <laughs> and then you know uh coinbase would be left with the spoils but i still think they they probably have a little so can pedigree. you uh just tell me what happened with cz he's he's out now yeah i mean i imagine this whole time you know everyone's been following on twitter you've been seeing some stuff that binance can have some issues and it's been i don't know a year probably this whole time he was negotiating with the justice department on like okay what are you going to do? What are you going to provide us? Give us some scalps to show our bosses that we did good job. Um, it sounds like he's stepping down as CEO. Um, he's somewhat banned from Binance, looks like, for, for three years. Is he so, going to jail? Like, is that a thing? Well, he could still face like yeah. 12 to 18 months or something, I saw. But but uh, Arthur Hayes, who came around a similar uh, slap down for not following the KYC and anti-money laundering rules as as like specifically as he should have been. Um, he got some house arrest, basically. And so he he kind of negotiated his way around it. But but that also kicked off the last bull. Yep. Like the the Arthur Hayes news was like immediate like mega candle, right? So is is C Z like the sacrificial lamb, like, okay. Here, here's here's our scalp. Now give us the goddamn bull market. Dude, the, book, the books looked interesting today. I mean, somebody was just twapping. All day, really? Just buy, 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 buy. Bitcoin, buy. ETH. What? Are... I mean, I, I I saw like somebody somebody in one of my groups was showing the the Coinbase order books, and they were just oh, coin just, stonk. Oh my god, no, like uh, no, like the Bitcoin. Oh, the like, Bitcoin on Coinbase. There's just see. like limit order, just <clears throat> just a wall of them. I was like, oh my god. And if you just like pull up like an ETH chart today, it's just like. Whenever you see price just up, 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 somebody's last thirty six hours. ETH was just step function. Did you say twap or twap? I like sounds twap. like such a dirty word. I say twap, but I've also found in like in tradfi those the, that order those those orders are really unreliable in in tradfi hmm. because they they can like easy come easy go like they just disappear out of nowhere. Um, There's a guy in one of my groups who actually trades like the the order flow, which is not something that. I do, and there's an art, I guess, to seeing if those are real orders or, yeah. or, or spoofs. And he was pretty adamant that they were, they were like legit. And he, he, I think he just was like, I'm going with the tide, and just, yeah, just, and just flipped long. I mean, we, we had a big day today. I mean, Soul was up 14 percent. ETH was up like 8 percent at one point. Does it um, look real? Does it look strong? Yeah, it looks pretty strong. I mean. 
none of the I've had like a short term bearish bias for a little bit, and actually none of that was really invalidated today. Yeah, it kind of feels to me like like mentally I'm like ah, it just seems like it's it's over and we should just be long. Um, but like if I look at my like system, like I'm like truly looking at it, I'm like ah, you know I can. So we've been talking about it on irresponsibly it. long, and I've been following along your magic lines content. Like it seems like we're kind of butting up against these. Um, Supply zones, um, particularly in ETH, is what I'm thinking of. Like this, this seems kind of like a the point at which it might reverse or or not, you know. But like this, this seems like the place. ETH has such a funny little uh, support resistance area here, it, around like 2,000, because like depending on how exactly you draw the line, right, you can kind of see anything that you want. It, it it's more like a like a zone, right? It's not a clean line. Yeah. But you can draw it where you're like, oh, we're like through. We're through. We just flipped this generational thing into support, and then there's also a way you can draw it where you're like, no, this is uh, we're just a, this is a failed test, and we're gonna go down. So it it's it's kind of got something for everybody there, but so, I think zooming way out, like we're gonna push through this level, and it's yeah, just gonna two thousand dollar ETH or twenty one hundred dollar ETH. Yeah, whether or not we go back to seventeen first, it's like whatever. Yeah, I noticed uh, on Thursday the sixteenth we hit a a price of twenty ninety two, and today that was the uh, top that same thing is there anything to decipher there uh um depending on which exchange you're looking at like we barely took like a high or or, or didn't i i didn't have a lot of time to look at okay all of it but it just it just looks so juicy like 18 in the, the mid 18s okay it just looks it just looks it just like looks like it it wants like like ETH definitely wants twenty one fifty. Like I'll be stunned if we don't take those highs. Like just stunned. That, that in some point, like relatively soon. You're talking the, about months, not weeks. I think weeks, you know. But whether or not it's going to give us like a dip first, like I don't I don't know. But like I, I feel like pretty confident in like the higher time frame. Like that's the draw right now. And Again, like if you look at the ETH Bitcoin chart, I mean that thing has so much to go up. Like if we, if we on reverse that. there, like we'd be at like close to three thousand dollar ETH if it just went back to just parity with Bitcoin. I mean it's been selling off so bad. So Nick was uh, pretty infamous with the, his trade going from Bitcoin to ETH. Right, you kind of bottom ticked that one. Yeah, I think it was like point oh five one ish. Somewhere around but there. But then you also had limit orders below that. Have you like started to move those up at all? Or are you just waiting for those? No, just gonna keep them there. Like, um, you know, I might even sell some more to ETH right now. Like, where I figured we would just play in this range of like 0.05 to 0.055 for a while. So, mm. um, yeah, gonna continue to do it. And, um, you know, I I've never done one of these like uh, played played the ratios before. Last cycle, I never played any of the ratios. Like when something went up, I didn't convert it to something else. I was always thinking about taxes, and I was like, you know, I'm just going to keep it simple. But when you look at it, you know, going from 0.05 to 0.07, which is very reasonable in the next say 12, 18 months, it's another juicy like 40 percent gain on on your USD value. So um, paying a little more closer attention to it and kind of seeing the benefit of paying attention to it, um, specifically Bitcoin ETH, because I've had Bitcoin for a long time and I don't want to hold it long term. I'd rather hold ETH. So seems right, ripe. It's funny that you say that because I uh, have been like a 
anti-Bitcoiner. Like I say that I'm not actually an anti-Bitcoiner. I have some, but I've always been like an ETH guy. And after all this crap that I see just kind of like resurfacing again, it like <laughs> it makes me want Bitcoin just because I I really do see like the value. Are you eventually. sure there was plenty of transaction fees on Bitcoin? Uh, I think it surpassed uh, ETH for a while. For a and day it, or so. And it wasn't, yeah. uh, you know, things you'd want to show off to your mom and dad. I just like even when we're talking about um, the Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Solana sort of narratives on our most recent irresponsibly long. Like I, I don't know. I'm just coming around to this notion that Bitcoin is pretty good. Like it's just like it's in its like final iteration. At oh least. man, this is when I should sell it. No, if, if you're thinking it's like... No, I think that Bitcoin <laughs> is pretty good. This thing's... It's going to be 100K eventually. You know, like, I just don't know that I want to be playing in the shitcoin land. You know, like, I'm not even comparing Bitcoin to ETH or even Solana, really, but, like... I mean, you, you know, got to compare it to ETH, though, right? That's, like, the... Well, I'm, like, I'm like, like an all-ETH... I'm an all-ETH guy, essentially. Yeah. You know, like, not not technically, but... Essentially, I, I, I'm struggling to find the argument for Bitcoin over ETH, like from this point forward. Like, what is the the argument for that? Like, Bitcoin's best thing, I think, going into this cycle is that it was going to be like institutional coin. But like, ETH is going to be. I think ETH is going to be institutional coin now. You know, and, and it, it, like maybe they're both like equally institutional but like eth has like a much tinier market cap it's gonna benefit a lot more from I think like, like those those flows so if i can like place myself back to when you guys were first introducing me to crypto you know this was like 2019 and i was like kind of a hater on all of it and i was first sort of indoctrinated with bitcoin as, as everybody was at that time and then from there you kind of like branch out and it's like okay smart contracts etc i think if like if like new financial advisors go through that same path, but it's today, not 2019, it doesn't follow the same path that I followed. I think it's like, I think you might start to say like, oh, smart contracts. Oh, but but this one is slower and more expensive and this one's faster and uh, easier to use. And, and I think you have to kind of consider these things, even if I'm still like an ETH guy. I agree. I think the traditional financial advisor, I mean, Van X putting out ETH stuff, Fidelity's putting out ETH, ETH write-ups, and if you have an ETH ETF that comes on the heels of a Bitcoin ETF, you know, you could see them kind of uh, learn faster than than what we all went through maybe last cycle or the cycle before. So th that'll be interesting. I just think it's going to take time, you know, for these things to get worked themselves into portfolios and actually m make a move. But. I could see ETH getting worked in so fast. Like, I, I feel like it's so much... I don't know, do you guys agree? Like, I feel, I, I feel like it's so much easier for... Trad five people to wrap their head around ETH because you're like, oh, it's basically like an app programming layer and it derives value from like the number of like apps built on top of it. People, I think if you tell them it's go, AWS, oh. a decentralized AWS, yeah. they're like, okay, so you're like faster. Bitcoin, you're like, wait, why does it? Can I like just say what I've been meaning to say? Like, I'll make it as simple as possible. I think that um, crypto people care about decentralization more than anybody else. That's what I'm trying to say. I don't think that like financial advisors are going to care that Solana is less decentralized than ETH. And They're going to care that it doesn't have an ETF, though. But if if ETH has an ETF, then maybe it opens the floodgates to fucking everything. I don't ETF. think so because I think the thing that's going to give ETH the ETF is the CME. Th like that's like the 
the linchpin right now is that they have futures. If it, if it stays futures. at those two, then I I see like a lot of value just splashing onto ETH as that narrative shifts. But if if it just like floodgates open, then I could totally see the yeah. like the financial advisor mindset go through a very rapid transition to what took me a while, which is like okay, so first Bitcoin, then ETH. I think they just go Bitcoin, ETH, and then the next. Maybe. I mean, uh, I don't know if this is interesting to point out, but uh, I noticed that in the case against CZ, they said, you know, you were kind of had an unregistered securities exchange, and they mentioned Solana in there. And I don't know if that 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 matters, but we kind of have like a insight into the SEC's viewpoint on Solana. Maybe that's happened with ETH in the past, and I, I missed it, but it seems like uh, ETH has been, ETH and Bitcoin have been, missing from when they've been making those claims and kind of taking action uh, against against people and companies. Um, you guys want to move a little away from crypto? I have some other options stuff. Yeah, let's do it. Um, I, I made a bet. So er- Eric's been big into this uh, GLP-1 drug. So we're talking Wegovy, uh, Wegovy and Ozempic. As investing in obesity? Yes. And like... God, can I just say that we mad. spend so much time on these coins... Right, these coins are not the only way to make money in markets. Right, and I think like we collectively and also our audience just like focuses too much on the coins. Yeah, so we we read. Um, there's a guy on Twitter. His name is Citrini. He's a pretty good analyst, I'd say. Um, Stephen first brought up, brought him to our attention when he kind of analyzed the AI space. Um, you know, just kind of back up his street cred, he kind of also called uh, Silicon Valley Bank way before, probably months before mm-hmm. it happened. So this guy's got some street cred, he's got some results, um, but his analysis on the GLP-1 market was, it was it's an hour read, the whole analysis, and it's up for free if you kind of go to his Substack. So go to his Twitter, look at Substack. The, the analysis is about, I think it's June of last year, or June of this year, sorry. So it's, it's a few months old, but... I think he already made his win, so he's happy to show it uh, publicly. But I saw a little name uh, mentioned on there, Weight Watchers. So he he analyzes everything. He obviously mentions Nova Nordis, Eli Lilly, which uh, I bought some of. So Nova is the Ozempic. Yeah. Yep. That's the plan. Eli Lilly has the... Eli has a competitor. Monjaro. I saw you guys talking about Weight Watchers a little bit, but I I was trying to figure out like how... So let me like, let me frame it up this. a little bit. Yeah, so frame I it think, up. Like, here's what you think. Like, if, if you have this like big growth theme, which is like these GLP one drugs, and like Novo and Eli Lilly are, are already like priced in uh, significant significantly, growth. like 400 billion and 600 billion market cap, so they're already huge. You start to like look out and say like, what are the ancillary plays that will also benefit from this like thematic growth? And uh, that's what Nick's talking about here. It's like, what's something that's smaller that can still like ride this wave? Yeah, so a few of his ideas, we should probably just list off a few of them yeah. so people get an idea. Like one was the actual, so you inject uh, Ozempic, yeah. and the people who manufacture the injectors, he mentions those. So yeah, so mm-hmm. like right now, the big problem with um, these GLP-1s is it's like supply constrained, and it's not supply of the GLP-1 drug itself, it's the supply of the injection pens. Like you can't get enough injection pens. So one idea is to like buy the companies that make the pens. Right. And there's a company who even is like providing automation to the manufacturing to makes the pens. Uh, <sighs> a company called AVS, um, who I'm still researching. I don't, I don't really know anything about it yet, but uh, it, it's intrigued me. Um, so that, that's one. Yep. He even mentions uh, healthcare insurers. So right now, um, 
if you're diabetic, you can get this paid for by insurance. But we know the real play is that every uh, average Joe, even though they may not be diabetic, they're still going to want to use this. And right now, it's pretty expensive. It's hundreds of dollars a month in order thousand. to... Thousand. Thousand. Thousand a month. Yeah. Really. And while, while price, price yeah. may come down, we Eric and I were talking about that the risk-reward is going to become very apparent to these insurers. That if I can take my client who is obese, drop them 30 pounds, bring them back into a non-obese state, and therefore, you know, kind of decrease their risk of heart disease, uh, liver disease, like just name your disease that is a... Because that's where the real expense comes in for the insurers is like actually like treating people that have like heart suffered heart attacks and stuff. Like, it's bad. I think think the actuaries are going to do their math at some point and be like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's let's pay for it. Let's for subsidize everyone. these drugs. Let's, or yeah, at least subsidize it because in the end we're going to be more profitable. So the insurers are part of this portfolio. A way to play this. Here's another one that I uh, I don't I think that um, he put in there that's pretty cool. It's like there's also um, ancillary plays to short. Like as as these GLP ones start to succeed, what are <laughs> things that are going to uh, maybe die? And mm-hmm. one thing he mentioned was the uh, the CPAP machine that you sleep with that mask on your face that helps you breathe for people with the what is that called um sleep sleep apnea apnea, sleep apnea deviated septum or whatever so uh there's i can't even remember the company but there's a company that like literally just sells the cpap mask and that's like 30 billion dollars or something they're vulnerable to people losing weight and not needing it anymore they'll be disrupted immediately god can you imagine running that company in the boardroom you're just like People are becoming healthier. We're ruined. <laughs> yeah, they can breathe again. <laughs> <laughs> They're breathing again. Shit. What do we do? <laughs> um, so anyway, to Weight Watchers, um, he mentions Weight Watchers, and I don't know if by by skill or by luck, these guys acquired uh, a company called Sequence Health, which uh, can give out prescriptions remotely. And one of the prescriptions that they can give out are these GLP one drugs uh, remotely. Hello. Hello. So uh, Weight Watchers is finishing up the acquisition. And um, I want to talk about this, Eric, because I just read the most recent earnings call, and it seemed like... And you immediately YOLO'd in. Yeah, I was like, well, I, I, I tiptoed in. Tiptoed okay. in. I was like, all right, let's just, let's just get in. Because I saw uh, Redino in the parking lot, and he said he, he did not tiptoe. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. He's, I not mean, a, he's not a tiptoer. We know yeah, Steven, Steven's taught me that, like, hey, if you, if you feel something, just put a little in. At the moment, you, you always got to put a little in. So put 10% in, put 20% in, whatever you feel like the moment you like it, just to have some uh, skin in the game. Is Weight Watchers WW? WW, sir. Okay. Um, yeah. Core business is kind of taking a shit. Um, but because they own this Sequence Health, they are probably going to be on commercials, on uh, radio commercials, e- e- everywhere, marketing that, hey, there's a weight loss cure. Oh my god! And you, oh, you, this chart looks interesting. And you too, in particular, know this game better than anybody. Once you have a paying customer's email address that you know that they want to lose weight and they're willing to pay money to lose weight, you can probably like target them for um, this upsell. Yeah, like if, if this stock doesn't go up, I'm gonna like sue the executive management for just bad faith because like you have the j- most enormous d- database of people who want to lose weight. Come along, magic drug which you can prescribe and make money from, okay, you so should be able to, as a marketer, figure this like, out. It's down like 95 96% oh, yeah. from yeah. all-time highs. And it looks like it moved a, a decent amount off the bottom in, in April. Is that what this was? 
or yeah i mean uh i think march is when it kind of like finalized yeah. but they're still yeah. integrating it and they mentioned that they still they still understand the supply chain constraints of these glp1 drugs so i think they kind of have to get this marketing engine up and going it's going to involve a call center um you know all kinds of online marketing all kinds of marketing but you may know weight watchers as like the hymns for prescribing GLP-1 drugs in a year from now. Mm. So can we talk about the fundamentals? I, I actually dug in here a little bit. <laughs> so I, I sent Eric a, a screenshot of the options contracts I, I bought on, on Weight Watchers. He's like, well, I dug in. And I'm like, wait, wait, should should <laughs> I revoke the order or give me the, you didn't give me the, the answer? No, I think, it's, I think it's a fun play. Okay. Here's, here's what I'm thinking, though, like in terms of timing. So their core business is still the business, meaning like their little point system for diet and stuff. Like ultimately that is going to be complementary to their GLP-1 prescription business, you know, in a way that that is probably symbiotic. But for now, um, that business is is declining and there's a seasonality component to that. You know, like I think when you go into Christmas, it's the worst one. But then like mm -hmm. the start of the new year, you get like the, the New Year's resolution yep. kind of game. So Q1, like after the Q1 numbers are reported, I would expect that stock to rally as people like come back into it. Even though they're going off benchmarks from the previous? Of course. Okay. But also, you know, these, like even this new business, right? This is, they call it the clinical prescriptions, which is the GLP-1. You know, it's such a small sliver now. Um, you know, I think they have like, I can't even remember if it's 6 million or 4 million customers on the, the core. And there's like 40,000 clinical. It's like, it's such a small number. It's almost zero. They're they're actually predicting that number to go down um, before, like, into the new year and in Q1 because they can't even get the drug to the people. There's oh, wow. it's so supply constrained that they're like, I don't like we're not even giving you, guidance. So they can't on this. sell more, is what you're saying? Yeah, they can't sell more. So I think like Q1 after Q1 or you know mid Q1 is when I would like want to enter that trade that you just made. Okay. And, you know, maybe the price doesn't move or maybe it does, you know, I don't know. But, like, I think you're on the right track. I I'm I want to be on that business, too. But... Chart, chart's very interesting. Talk about the chart. Yeah. I mean, kind of hard to talk about a chart. No, nah, but, but just give us, the, give us the high level. So, the chart was down only for a while. Sort of flatlined possible accumulation bottom and then you have that kind of reverse nuke upward yeah it like went from like lows, three dollars right? to seven dollars over yeah. the last couple months and you you typically don't want to get in on that right you want to look for some sort of retracement into like an initial kind of key area where we kind of got that last move from and then kind of go there and yeah we're like right off that zone like six dollars to 750 or so was like you, you could call that like a breaker if you're if you're uh, doing technicals um so that's what we flipped turned into support went up and now we've come all the way back down we're testing that zone again and we're like 50 percent off the the high and then we're coming into what you say is going to be that when you want to see this thing take off a uh, q1 so yeah. here's another thing on the, on the fundamental because i thank you for that because i that's going to help me time it but on the fundamentals, here's a here's an issue, Nick, that I kind of came across. Like, so they're not able to prescribe these to anybody that's on like government healthcare, mm. and like that that makes up a big portion of our like obese population. Interesting. Okay. 
poor black well, why women. Why not? Poor black women, basically, is, is who they can't service. So they can only <clears throat> service private insurance. And, uh, you know, there's probably a lot of people that do have private insurance, but then my question would be, like, why would they pay an extra $100 to Weight Watchers to get the prescription when they just go to their provider and get the same exact thing Yeah, if, if it's available? No, I mean, that's a good point. Like, in this report, there's a ton of gems, and this is one of them to play. And I liked it because it was just down only and it's like off the it's like off the beaten path yeah and then you know this was this was a citrini play yeah this is a citrini play i think he had it weighted pretty low probably call it medium it in terms of, of like his. uh maybe dude i saw yeah. like citrini's um portfolio by the way was like so much more equally weighted than i would set it up agreed like, like he has his novo at like eight percent and his weight watchers at like five percent like and and all the little YOLOs are like five. So he's got probably like twelve to sixteen stocks in there, something like that. Uh, Nova Nordis and and um, Eli Lilly only represent fifteen twenty percent of it, probably, which is surprising because I would make that the bulk of it. Um, I mean, can we talk about those and those real real quickly? Like, yeah, I think like let's just let's combine them into one. Like Novo and Lilly, in my mind, are the easiest longs ever, and I like I don't even really need to go further on the risk curve on these because. You know, although they are huge, like I don't think we're pricing in how big this market actually will how be. How many customers do you think they're they're saying they have now? And like what do you think the market is pricing in? So it it I think the key is going to be is this going to be treating obesity or just diabetes, right? So diabetes, you know, they have like a huge market already, and that's like what the market cap is based on, but like obesity is not really being prescribed yet. There's a hundred thousand prescriptions for the obesity use case. Globally, 100,000, I think that that could 1,000x. The prescription number can 1,000x. Agreed. I mean, if, if you, you said, hey, guys, uh, looking back at like 2023, there was a drug invented to help cure obesity, um, and you, you missed it. Because you were six months in, and yeah, the stocks went up double. But you like, were looking at fucking you, coins. <laughs> you were just you were you were distracted by coins, and you, you said, "Ah, oh, they're already up a hundred percent." But this is like a a decade long play, and I even bought it in my IRA. Yeah, because this, I'm like, this well, feels to me like um, AI, but with only two players. Like it's like if you could play the AI game and know with certainty that there's only two winners. Then that's like this game. There and will be more entering. It sounds like Pfizer's trying to enter. It doesn't sound like they're being successful at it, but you will see more attempt uh, to enter. So, oh man, and like I could talk about this forever. But there's there's even upside on the diabetes side because the this uh, some or whatever that uh, Novo makes actually like was proven to to cure diabetes. It, like so when when you like <laughs> when you're treating diabetes, you still need to take insulin shots. But this thing, if you took it for for like six months, they just, they said like well, you no longer have to take insulin anymore, yeah. right? And 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 the the immediate answer is like, but the side effects, they're trade offs, and we even talked about it when we first mentioned this, like, oh, there's gonna be trade offs. Like, I don't know if I want to put this in my body, but I think if you're talking about someone who's obese, you might say, well, the benefit from decreasing your chance of heart disease or whatever the other other down downstream effects are, is worth the hormonal imbalance or whatever it may, uh, pr- you know, affect as a trade-off. Yeah, and I think, like, the bull case here is, like, if you if you really start to dream on it, like, these drugs will be prescribed as, like, uh, treatments for heart and liver 
use cases, not just the obesity, right? Because like it's such high comorbidities. So, I mean, a thousand X, a thousand X in, in terms of like prescription growth. Yeah, I mean, it's opinion. tough with these market caps, though. We're talking 400 billion, 600 billion. So do we realistically see yeah, like a how, drug maker being like a trillion dollar company? Yeah, how it's big tough. could it possibly you get? You just need to use leverage, man. Yeah. Which I'm not afraid to employ leverage convexity is, I, I, is there good there's good liquidity in like leaps markets oh my these? god yeah, yeah i'm all over it and like they're cheap the leaps are cheap because it's like it's kind of like low vol it's like steady climber it's not like a spiker you know so it's like low vol but um pretty cheap options if you want to go long i'm sure the market's pricing in maybe like a 20 percent, 25 percent probability that the insurers are gonna you know subsidize this thing but i i think it's a an eventual certainty at some point the insurers will see that they can save an enormous amount of money in the long run and the reason why i like novo better it's like more of a pure play uh lily does like a bunch of other stuff too but novo's business is so good just treating uh diabetes that you know this thing with its growth and with its immense potential is still trading at 30 times forward earnings which is like not that much higher than the s&p you know it Close to fucking, higher, close to General Mills. Honestly, like it's kind of <laughs> pissing me off. Um, so, like I'm, I really want to talk about this and drive it home because this, this to me, like Coinbase and Novo are just so obvious. I like those. I mean, like it's definitely had a run up, but I mean, if you're six months, a year into this thematic play, like you got to get in at some point, and might as well just stick a toe in now and like see what happens over the next six months. But I think like news announcements are going to be in its favor. Um, all right. Any other uh, thematic plays since we just talked about one, two of them? Uh, I'm the guy you talked about where I'm just long coins. <laughs> I know. And you're just buried. <laughs> you're head, good at head's it buried in the sand. I mean, I, I've been like swing trading NASDAQ and like I'm, I'm like, I've been bullish on it. So I've been looking for these sort of, you know, targeted longs just with futures, but I don't, I don't own any stocks. Do you have right a now. retirement plan, like a actual like IRA or four hundred one k? I have a SEP. Same. And it's just basically all in like venture investments that'll all go to zero. So I basically <laughs> don't have anything other than my. I mean, I, I eventually plan to like convert my SEP to like a self managed one where I can do some real estate plays. But I, I kind of there's some stuff in the stock market that I still like, and I dude, I should have I should have set this thing up years ago to do. It's so good for doing like altcoin trading because you, <laughs> you can, can just, find a trustee to like. Well, I have like a self directed. I just like never really funded it, but yeah, you can set it up, and then you can basically just make like you could make like a Coinbase or some account in the name of that, and then like you can kind of go in and out of the market. Like that's what. This is Peter Thiel approach, right? Peter yeah. Put his PayPal stock in there. <laughs> Peter yeah. Thiel puts his <laughs> PayPal and his like Facebook uh, VC investment. Well, it's good for crypto because like you actually do want to sell, and like if you're in California and you're buying and selling and buying and selling, like taxes are murdering you. But if it's like in all in this big tax deferred bucket, it, it it's like amazing. It's a good play, and I I wish I. I did that more. Like I had a bunch tied up in like illiquid real estate loans and a bunch in like illiquid venture stuff and basically got none of it into crypto, which is gonna end up being a, a huge oversight <laughs> on my part, especially if you're talking about being able to just like buy and hold like, you know, ST ETH 
Yeah, Steeth. Sure. Do you guys call it Steeth or Steeth? No, Steeth. Steeth. Yeah, please don't. I feel like everybody calls it Steeth. Mm, let's 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 stay in our Is little Steeth bubble. Steeth like calling it Eth. Ew. I hate oh. when people call it Eth. That hurt my ears. Uh, gross. <laughs> I know. Um, all right, so I kind of want to stick with the money thing, but I do want to talk about this Javier M- Malay. It was a good tie-in because like a lot of people are saying this is like kind of like a bullish. It's like a bullish Bitcoin. Thing we've got going on here. I, I, I don't Argentina. think it's bullish Bitcoin. I think it's bullish the U.S. dollar. But uh, so uh, Argentina had its elections, and do we call him a far right? Like if we look at the political compass, where does this guy? Dude, sit? I hate it when they just call, like they call everybody who's like on the right. Everybody's just like far right. It's just like this like catch-all term they just throw out. Like it's like it's supposed to like scare you. I think. Like, Ooh, yeah, so where where do you think right. he would fall on the political? He seems compass? like an anarcho-capitalist. Yeah. I think he's he's okay with that term too. Um, so things he's talked about that we should probably probably mention. He is pro Bitcoin. Um, he would like to uh, switch the currency of Argentina to the dollar. Um, he's most famous for saying he's going to cut uh, fiscal spending drastically. And as some context, probably should mention first that Argentina has about 150 percent inflation rate. So imagine getting your paycheck from your employer. And having to spend it as fast as possible because every week your money is going to lose three to five percent, and you have you cannot save money in your own government's currency because it's inflating at such a high rate. So he's saying we're going to drastically cut funding. He's talking about like literally just lopping off whole government, you know, departments. I saw him pulling those off the whiteboard. Yeah, yeah. And he, <laughs> oh yeah, he's like, <laughs> <laughs> Outside, it's <laughs> just like diversity out. Yeah, he's I like, mean education out. He's just like every single department. He's just throwing it out. He's showing up with like a chainsaw to rallies and stuff. Yeah, a chainsaw. <laughs> like I'm gonna cut the budget so much. Like just call me. Like, like I don't know if people have ever everybody's seen this guy. He looks like a character. He's got like mutton chops and wild hair. I first saw him when he was doing that. Have you seen that interview clip where he's like calling? He's on the. He's the. So the calling. Yeah. The the translation. He's like. Um, left hards. He he's calling them left hards. I'm like. What? My first thought was, wait. There's a Spanish word for left hard. <laughs> what is that word? <laughs> <laughs> he's like. She's like, why do you call them shit? And he's like, because they are shit. And yeah. he just like, has this whole spiel. But yeah, I was like, oh, I didn't know like left hard was a word that translated. So he's kind of using the the Trump playbook, whether. Like he intentionally made to do it, but he is such a kind of like bombastic Ugh. character that the news put him on because it's good for ratings to put this guy on. Well, it elevated his status, yeah, elevated his awareness, and I think you have a population. He, he won Argent- by a lot. Yeah, and yeah. I think you have a population. Argentina is like, well, we're literally collapsing as we speak. So I'm not sure if this guy is going to collapse us even more, but at least he's going to do something different. Yeah, and I think that's the. The kind of uh, dire straits the populace is in terms of, of voting this guy in into office. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I mean, he said some pretty outlandish shit. I mean, he's used more what inflammatory do, what language than what do you think we is used like, on this podcast. Did, what do you think is like the most outlandish thing about him? Anything come to mind? Well, he he went very libertarian and saying, uh, "Yeah, you can sell your organs." Yeah, he seems to be like super. But I don't know. He seems like he's like anti-abortion at the same time. But he's 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 kind of like. Yeah, kind of weird. He's not like all in one box. But yeah, I, I remember seeing him saying like, yeah, sell your organs, whatever. Yeah, and I think <laughs> it's like kind of the libertarian thing. Like, well, can you do this? Well, 
government should have any say, but it's weird that he is anti-abortion. Um, but the thing I found most interesting is that he wants to switch to the dollar, which is which is fascinating. I, I I've you know in our lifetimes I've never seen a country switch to the dollar. I've seen countries in in Central America. I've been to El Salvador. They work off the the dollar, um, but to switch seems interesting. And and the first thing I think it would do is kind of stabilize the economy, right? People can actually afford to save their money. They don't have to worry about they're going to lose, you know, 60% of their purchasing value when they get paid. That's interesting. But it also, and he's a big fiscal, like we're going to have a balanced budget. He's going to chop off everything necessary. But if he did switch to the dollar, it would kind of ensure fiscal restraint beyond his presidency. It would make this permanent. Because if Argentina switches to the dollar, they can't print money anymore. Yeah, they, they have a limited supply of dollars they can actually Right, spend. I mean, like, uh, that would involve getting rid of the quote-unquote Federal Reserve, the central bank of Argentina. They would have no monetary controls at all. Which, Is this the dollar milkshake theory sort of, like, playing out right in front of us? I think that's a cherry on top when you have some random, you know, South American country just being like, eh, yeah, we'll use a dollar. Um, I, I don't know if it is like it seems risky for them. Like, obviously, let's say the transition goes well. I was thinking about how do they issue debt? Like how if they wanted to run a deficit, how would they do that? They would probably issue Argentinian bonds in dollars. Yeah. And you could see a pro and con there, right? Like, oh, fuck, we have to pay back in dollars. We're not used to that. But also, it opens their bonds up to an international market. Right, and they, they might have higher yields than or they would certainly have higher yields than <laughs> yeah. our market. And, you know, that might. Uh, incentivize foreign investment. Right, because like, why why would you buy Argentina's debt? Like, you there's this currency risk involved that makes you go, like, God, I just don't want to touch this thing. But they may be a higher risk country, but you, you the international markets might be like, well, if it's in dollars, I'll buy your debt at a price, but it's no longer this like unavoidable or avoidable thing that you just really don't want to don't want to touch. So, I don't know. It's interesting. Uh, play if if he is able to pull that off he, i don't think he has the parliament there to like make big changes but but maybe he's got enough juice to uh to make it happen i think it'd be fascinating to watch a country dollarize i mean there's been countries that have dollarized before though right, right? it's not i've never seen one like new. live action on tiktok <laughs> and what's the the pro bitcoin take is just that he's saying the same thing that uh, Satoshi's saying that, like, central. He's a believer in sound money. Yeah, like generally speaking. Um, yeah, I've heard some of his um, speeches, and like, he's actually fairly intelligent. Like, he actually espouses some like pretty good economic principles when he's talking, like interspersed with like some of the 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 craziness, <laughs> uh, which is like really interesting to hear. But he's just yeah, he's he's talked in depth about like why it's like a freaking dumpster fire there. And like just coming from all these like sort of like kind of Milton Friedman esque sort of economic theories, um, so it's it, it's cool to see. I'm I'm kind of like more curious. Like I don't know. Like it seems like people like hate hate him, right? They like want him to fail. There's there's like this like entrenched sort of like institutional interest that like doesn't want him to succeed. Like he's, he's anti-establishment. Yes. That's the reason, right? right? It's just cause he's weird. And uh, it seems and it's like, not cause he's weird. It's cause he's not them. It seems yeah, like there's right. the same presumption or assumption that far, let's call it left or far left that made of Trump that they're making of him. They're like, 
he'll fall under his own weight. Like he's going to make such bad decisions that the thing is going to collapse. And I mean, we'll see, but like, I think it's worth noting that, um, you know, the left side of America made that same presumption that he would, that Trump would fall under his own weight. And granted he was a one-term president, so maybe, maybe he did, but, um, so far, yes, I feel, so I feel far. like the Trump comparison is kind of lazy, though. I feel like people are like, oh, it's kind of a loud, brash guy saying crazy stuff. And he looks weird. So he's basically Trump. Like Trump didn't have like a economic theory. You know, he just like said things. Right? Millet seems like he's actually got like all of these kind of first economic principles that he's operating from. It has like a real intention behind like what he's doing, so I, I don't know if it's like a if it's a super fair. I mean, comparison. Um, have you guys seen on Twitter some pictures in Argentina? Uh, I don't know, call it like 1970s ish. This was like a fairly wealthy country. Yeah. Like, and and if you po- uh, follow Peter Zion, who kind of looks at ge- the geography, the demographics, you know, can you produce your own food? And where are you situated in the world? You know, he, he has like a list of criteria that he used to kind of evaluate where your place is in geopolitics. And I think he would rate Argentina outside of the political grift pretty pretty high yeah, in terms of where high. are you on the globe? What kind of land you have? How are you able to defend your land? You know, they, they, they should be like the breadbasket of the world, like to be able to produce and export an extreme amount of product, you know, let alone food. They had a massive advantage and they botched it. Yeah, they botched yeah, it's it. It's like a real testament to how much like government matters. So would you call this guy Miele or whatever his name is? Would you call him a populist? Like cuz I I was always sort of like confused by what that term actually meant. You know, he is he is like definitely anti-establishment. Um but like is that is that what populist looks like cuz I I tend to frame these things still within the the realm of like the Ray Dalio book of like how the, oh, the world order is changing i mean this guy is like yeah fourth turning yeah written he, all over him. when i saw that was the first thing that came <laughs> to mind when i saw him i'm like oh this is this is fourth turning shit right here he's this literally is, saying let's get rid of all the institutions yeah yeah just like okay burn him to the ground yeah yeah it's super interesting it's like you're we're we've talked about the fourth turning a lot on the show because it's like an interesting mental model to kind of think about what's happening in the world at like a very high level and you know we've we've just sort of begun right like we've got years to go on this like last particular i think we're uh, kind of in the, in the middle of it i wouldn't say that we just begun i think oh uh, i think we've just begun i think maybe we just maybe maybe we're like 5 years into it i think it's I probably think. a 20 year period or ish and we're kind of yeah we're we're somewhere in the middle yeah i think we've got at least like a like a decade ahead a of decade us at least or 15 years ahead yeah. yeah which is like interesting and yeah, you just see parallels to this everywhere. Like everybody's like really squaring off in their camps. And then there's just like kind of two, you know, widening vision. Like the gap between these visions of the world and how we should like rebuild society is like getting wider and wider and wider. And like you see it everywhere. You know, you see it in like, you know, Israel, Palestine. There's like a huge like divide there. You see it with Millet and this like sort of like populist, like, just like kind of anarcho-capitalism versus like Peronism, you know, which is like, you know, basically the, the legacy of Evita, Peron and everything, which is very much kind of in line with, you know, what people would call like the, you know, Democratic Party of 
the United States, just more kind of big government, uh, social justice type thing. Um, like every, like it's like it's interesting to see that these battles are happening in other countries as well, like often to a, like a much more intense degree than they are here. Yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be interesting to see how he can actually push some of these reforms in, um, and if he does, what are the results? Right, like yeah, we live in California, and which will is, that have like a domino effect elsewhere? Where it says like, "See, this can work." Like, is that a thing? Like, yeah, he's probably looking at Bukele and Bolsonaro and being like, "Yeah, same. We're gonna do the same thing, but I'm gonna be a little even more uh, aggressive." And um, I'm I'm interested to see how it plays out and what the average Argentinian thinks of like reshuffling the board. It's gonna be like really interesting to see what the Biden administration does with him because he's basically like throwing a lifeline to America being like, help me. I'm into the dollar. I'm into like what we would, you know, call like the, you know, the free market side of America, all of this stuff. I, I kind of feel like they're just going to like leave him out <laughs> swimming in I the ocean not. by himself because like, it's it's sad, but I, I I think him succeeding is like a threat to right, it's too, their it's too ideology. It's like yeah, it's anti-establishment. It's anti like big government, government intervention. The idea that you know people are like these autonomous individuals and like they're self-sovereign, and we don't need all of this like help and all of this bureaucracy. It's very like. And it's and it's viewed, you know, as Trumpian, even though I don't I don't know if it should be, but that's kind of the frame. And it's just like everything in the world is viewed for like so through you, like a is this Trump like lens first. You're 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 thinking like he's gonna come like US, I wanna integrate with you. I wanna use the dollar. Like tell me what I need to do in order to play, but they he's so associated with Trumpism that they're just gonna push him to the side. Yeah. And like you can see it in the way like that he's getting coverage in the media. Like who's the, what's the name of the guy in Brazil who they, they there was the 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 kind of right guy, right? And Bolsonaro then, or the 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 guy who just won who's on the left. Oh. Right. Didn't 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 Brazil used to have like a right-wing guy and then like he lost the election and I got like a left-wing guy in there now? Uh let's see. He looked that up, Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> uh Lula He's the new guy. Yeah, yeah. So he's more of a he's more of like a left guy, right? And Bolsonaro is more of like right. Yeah. Like you saw that there's like a very different coverage of like Bolsonaro versus uh, Lula versus versus like if you look at the headlines for him, it's like all this like glowing thing. And then like if you look at Millet and like the the New York Times and whatnot, it's all just like far right Trump guy. It's all just like you know the big scare. It's the stuff like Tim Urban talks about in his book, where you you just change the adjectives around and you just yeah. make it scary. Okay, so that's like kind of forward looking. Can we use anything that like that is observable today as like a proxy? Like you mentioned, Nayib Bukele in El Salvador. Like, do you have any idea of how he's resonating with those people right now? Because like he kind of like took those first steps. Well, he he, he won. Right, he but, uh, but yeah. there's going to be a, a group that is going to be protesting. I mean, I think there's going to be a quite a large. I group. mean, do they have like a a reelection coming up at some point? Oh, you talking about Bukele? Sorry. Yeah, Bukele. Oh, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Right, I mean, he, and he, like how how is he being received based on his um, sort of like? Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Proposals. Like his popularity within. Yeah, El I don't know. It, it, I find it very difficult personally to like actually assess what's going on in the world because like we're just we're getting propagandized 
like so hard. Yeah, you like gotta when be I, careful. When I, like, yeah, well, like when I consume information on anything, whether it be like Israel, whether it be like Ukraine, Russia, whether it be like El Salvador, or Argentina, like th- that information is being fed through this like crazy filter. And like, I don't have enough like inform, like kind of first like information to be able to sift through some of the stuff. And I, I don't, I feel like I don't trust what I'm reading a lot. I, I think there, you can find different think tanks like CSIS is one. Um, and just like research their bias ahead of time before you read the reports because they have really in-depth information, data about what's really going on instead of like a six-minute snippet. And if you do want to read, you know, for 20, 30 minutes, you can get get a deep dive. But you're right. I mean, even those think tanks have funders who have a bias. I mean, El, El Salvador is particularly bad because it's all filtered to, to us through like crypto Twitter, i.e. Bitcoin Twitter, and Bitcoin is like very pro but that's not the biggest thing Bukele did. I mean, Bukele said law and order, and he started rounding up. No, no, I agree. Yeah. But like, even like the yes, he's he's throwing all these gang members in jail and everything, right? But it's it, it comes through a filter to me through the Bitcoiners, and it's just like, oh, this is all amazing. Look at all the amazing stuff. I don't see any. Well, Bukele's sure down big on his Bitcoin purchases. Um, What's his average? Is he price? still down? He's got to be way down. He's probably about even now, I would guess. He's buying the dip Sailors all the way up? down Jesus. in 2021. Sailors up. <laughs> I mean, it was interesting that um, that Millet did not say, I want Bitcoin to be legal tender. He's just saying, we're going to dollarize. And I'm also interested when he does face protests. This is a guy who doesn't believe in institutions, you know, authoritarian regimes. But when he does have protesters in the streets, is he going to instruct his troops to quell down now that he's in the position of power, will he see that like, well, these tools are available, and yeah. like, I do want to shut have my up. mission yeah. executed. So I might have to just do this to shut it down. And will he adopt some authoritarian tendencies as someone in office? Because everyone thinks like, I'll be true to my message when I'm in office. But I think this will be an interesting test to see what happens to a human being who's totally. kind of opposite that mm. when it comes in place. Yeah. Um. Easy to talk a big game when uh, and be principled when they're not like put to the test. Right. So we'll see. We'll see. It's interesting. I've been seeing that a lot with like uh, Israel Palestine because I've been I've been following like like uh, like Ben Shapiro a lot because mm-hmm. he's been kind of you know leading the charge of the pro Israel thing and it's it's been interesting because he seems to be like. He seems to be like wavering on his like principles a little bit. Like I'm seeing like eh, you can't like, some like anti free speech stuff, and it's like yeah, it's like very easy to like have all these principles until it like really hits home for you, and then suddenly you're like, well, no, well this is this is just bad because X Y Z. Well, that's well, you can't say that because well, those people are just those are evil people, and you can't you know so yeah, these lines get blurred very quickly, and it's um yeah, it's hard to stay principled. Um, can we can we mention the Ben Shapiro Thomas Sowell interview? Because it's a momentous occasion when Thomas Sowell goes on a podcast that more than just I don't know ten thousand people watch. Um, it was only a twenty minute interview. Yeah, it's a twenty minute phone interview. It was pretty crappy. Yeah. Um, I think what we want is Thomas Sowell to go on to, like a three hour Thomas. Joe Rogan, a six hour Joe Rogan interview. Chairs open right here. Thomas, <laughs> yeah, Tommy boy. It is. But hopefully that's just the the start of him getting some uh, podcast fame. Maybe he notices book sales go up. He's like, huh, maybe I should do these podcast things. But isn't he like ninety? He's nine. I mean, he's, I he's old. Like ninety four. He's sharp as fuck though. Yeah, but he's not gonna be doing more. Now nah, we need him to do more. 
Yeah. Our generation I can't believe you came out with it. another book. Like he just came out with a book. <laughs> he just writes books. Like all the guy puts out like a book every six months. It's unbelievable. Yeah, guys got to pay bills. Ugh, man, what a dude. Um, let's what you, see. What do you get? What do you got on your notebook? Well, we're there? we're we're getting close to to wrap up time. But should we talk about this D cell versus XL thing yeah. before yeah. we uh, yeah. before we wrap up? Yeah, let's we should. Let's so, we should. Okay, so let's just cover. Everyone is pretty aware of like open AI, uh, soap opera drama. We've come full circle. Sans back in open AI. Whatever. I don't think we're that interested in talking about the the what happened, the gossip. Yeah, yeah. That we're all we're all familiar with that. But I think we've become very aware that there are people who believe we should not accelerate technology as fast as possible for mm. the benefit of humankind. They think it's it's scary to accelerate. Uh, technology at the fastest pace possible. I think we've all kind of like maybe uh, at some point showed some hesitancy toward like accelerating AI that we've we've voiced concerns or scenarios where it could become um, bad for humanity and net negative for humanity. But we're I think we've been mostly excited about what it can do and say like let's still pursue this. So I don't know. I think it's interesting to talk about. Um, I I don't think I've ever met a. A person like a, let's call him a D cell person. <laughs> it sounds like incel. It does kind of sound like incel. <laughs> but a D cell person in real life who's like I've met in person, have a good conversation you don't with them. Want to be a D cell? Like you just hear that word and you, <laughs> you know, it's not going to be great. Yeah, um, I don't know. What do you guys think? Like, is is it with merit? I mean, you were interested in like, has this ever happened in history before? Yeah, well, I the, I think the question to ask is like, has there ever been a technology that people like desperately wanted to slow down, and in retrospect, they were like correct about slowing it down? Yeah, I I can play sort of devil's advocate on this one. I, play th- I think D cell character for a bit. Yeah, because I, I I'm like D cell Eric. I'm actually <laughs> fully on board with like AI proliferation. I I'm rooting for it, but like I I do see the the use of like this D cell voice. And for me, I think like the the proxy that I would like use is um, like horizontal drilling, fracking. You know, like okay, like we have this incentive to be like energy independent, and we've like discovered all all these fossil fuels in the the shale fields that that you can't access just by drilling straight down. So we discovered this like horizontal drilling, and then you kind of like explode it, and you can access these fossil fuels. And uh, there are ramifications with that, right? And we've seen that some of this stuff, when you're drilling, it gets into the water table and it can contaminate, uh, you know, different places. There, there are many examples of where this has gone wrong. And I think that D-cell voice is useful because you, you probably want to design some thoughtful regulation around that. You know, like, even if you want to still let it go and thrive because, you know, like being energy independent is really fucking awesome, for many reasons, but like you want to do it in a safe way and yeah. like having that voice makes a lot of sense. Even if it's not like you don't want to decelerate, you just want to have that voice exist. Yeah. Cause it's from when you described that, what I heard was that you want their voice, but you actually don't want them to win. No, no. I think you want the, the new tech to win, but you want it, the new tech to win in a safe way. So like what, what we found with fracking is that like, you know, if like, if companies can cut corners, they will for profitability. That's what companies exist for is for profit. So like they're not going to like make these wells very safe and, you know, like secure with like, uh, you know, cement casings around each one and like how you contain these contaminants. Like I, I used to study fracking just like 
for investment cases. And like I know that like 99% of what's injected into the ground is water and sand. The 1% is, is probably toxic. Right. But you got to like fucking control that, you know? But do, do you like the, the desal voice as like a, a, a market constraint? Not necessarily like a regulatory constraint. That, no, that voice I, is there to call out the company that yeah, makes the mistakes yes. and then they are forced it's to correct. It's a market constraint that drives the regulatory constraint. And the regulatory constraint, I think, is like it's based off of the market constraint. Yeah. I feel like once we get into the realm of creating like government bureaucracies for this stuff, it just always goes off the rails. But if, this this is like a Thomas Sowell principle, right? It's like one of his kind of Thomas Sowellisms, and you know, and in short, the idea is that like when you create government bureaucracies to kind of regulate or do something for a particular to solve a problem, right? You're basically like guaranteeing that the problem won't get solved because you've created this like institution that behaves like a life form that wants to survive and the the way it survives is by like not really solving the problem like the bureaucracies you want to grow like any other organism they want more money they want more funding they want to hire more people you're right about it's a trap i agree with you but you're right about that but it has to be some sort of ebb and flow right like a pendulum or something where where like because pure capitalism or like pure democracies also fail if if left unfettered so it has to be some sort of balance in between and obviously you don't want these bureaucracies growing unfettered either yeah but i i think there's like some nuance like i i I think it's very interesting to talk about regulation on like localized levels say you're talking about regulating what a company can dump into like a local stream right that's very different than trying to regulate global climate policy like on the one hand you have this bubble it's localized. That's localized, and you can sort of govern the bubble. On the other hand, you have just a completely ungovernable situation where the game theory just plays out that, like, whoever defects just gets to... And, like, AI is the same thing, right? You can't put it in a bubble. You can't localize it. And anything that you do to constrict yourself here, somebody else can kind of jump in and, and pick up the baton and run with it. And it, it's yeah. kind of a difficult problem. Your point's sense. well taken. Like, I think I could poke a little hole in it, but I think your point's well taken because like um, ultimately you'd want to have federal regulation on these little localities of the stream dumping, right? That you'd want to have like a US of policy. the negative outcome, yeah. not the process. Yeah. I'm actually like, not sure actually like this is this is like a, I think an interesting question. Like do you want these broad federal agencies for a lot of things or would we be better served with having most of this stuff localized? I think it's actually like a very interesting question and that that's not just like the epa but that's like you know even going down to like the department of education and all there's all sorts of stuff where it seems like it would be better suited to have it like sort of decentralized and localized and at a level where people are like kind of more accountable to what they do and like people are more in touch with what's going on and that's another sort of branch off of it i but i took your main point as like ai is not localized it's like this global thing that where you can't even like put federal regulation around it because it's a global thing it's one of the most like ungovernable things we've ever created totally i well, think especially we have actual open source yeah. uh ai tools and this little episode over the weekend is probably going to give more steam behind those open source tools for sure 
It's it's just it's beyond even just like the open source of the code at this point. Like we're we're talking like we're in an age where like all of the the infrastructure itself is going to become decentralized or some of it already is. like we have some amount of decentralized storage now and like these things are going to become more and more and more um you know prolific as time goes on. It's gonna be like very difficult to put any of this stuff back in the box like when it once it once it's out. About, it probably already is. Um like the anti-nuclear movement or like anti-nuclear proliferation at all with this because it seems like it yeah. has similar it's the first thing that comes to my mind. Yeah. So um you know anti-nuclear proliferation now is good. And we know it's good because well we had a problem. Like it seems like that movement existed before any nuclear bombs went off, but it really picked up steam when there was a, a negative outcome, let's call it Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Can you, uh, it sounds like you guys know more about this than I do. Like, I understand what the agenda was for anti-nuclear proliferation, but can you tell me a little bit about the outcomes that we've actually achieved with this? Because I can't tell if it's if it's just like a, a in, <laughs> in name only, like a, yay, well, we did it, it or... It, it helps that, you know, this technology there's only a handful of countries have been able to actually produce. So you could probably count them on your hands that have the nuclear capabilities. So yeah, like that's one eight, thing where this doesn't match apples to apples, right? Because every country can play an AI, but maybe only nine or 10 have been able to play um, in the nuclear game. And so when it comes to these treaties of anti-proliferation, hey, we already have like a thousand nukes. We can fire them from the plane, from the submarine, from land. I think we're covered for mutual destruction. So let's like over time decrease the amount. We've gone in and out of uh, nuclear anti-nuclear proliferation treaties with Russia, which is kind of the main uh, you know person on the other side. But in in general, we I think we've been able to like establish some norms and values around around it. But there's only again been like a handful of players. I don't know if this this applies to AI at all. Okay, I, I was thinking about nuclear power. Okay, I think nuclear proliferation and it, so far as it like refers to, to to bombs and such is a totally different animal um and it kind of makes sense right Be, like the the purpose of a nuclear bomb is to just blow things up and kill people like there's no there's, <laughs> there's no, no other purpose yeah. and then when it goes off the world literally ends versus like ai has inf like an infinite number of like no, but nuclear energy. I mean the the technology right, but nuclear energy is different, right? Like there's like we we made a huge mistake, I think, and but we didn't we didn't we didn't kind of shut down nuclear energy because of the bombs. We shut them down because of like Chernobyl and like these yes. environmental concerns. Right? So it was like a, a calculus between the upside and the potential downside. Yeah, and it seems like whenever we do this calculus, we totally fuck it up. Like, we are so bad at thinking about all of the future value that will be destroyed, mm. all the future lives that will be lost. We just think about what happened to, like, 10 or 100 people or whatever just happened in the, in the present. And, and it's, like, Ooh. such a short-sighted I like this. This, is, this goes into, like, just human psychology where we, like, we feel lost 10 times more than we feel the benefit a of the nimbyism, game. right? Like... Yeah, I don't mind if we use nuclear power. Just don't put it in my backyard. So there's the nimbyism for sure, but I also feel like there's this thing in humans where it's like any negative thing has like a way more profound impact than than the positive thing. Loss aversion. Yeah, it's a better like a example loss where there's no nimbyism is in like like drug research, like anything like 
we are so concerned with like of, of like preventing like 40 people from dying in like a, a you know a trial or release of something that goes wrong that like I, th I think like somebody who's like well versed in the space could probably point to like so many things that we've kind of nuked into the ground that could have saved like millions of lives like to this point like have probably caused millions of people to die because we have all of this we have this like regulatory apparatus that like makes it cost like decades and just incredible sums of money to bring this technology to the market and like we have this mentality as humans who we're just like no we can't let we can't let these 10 people die even though because we see these 10 people right now in front of us we don't care about like the the million people in the future who we can't like kind of put a face and name to i was thinking about this actually uh, just with like the the nuclear energy component i was thinking about you know this like fracking example that i had in my mind and i was thinking about well what are the benefits of fracking I think the same benefit as nuclear energy where you, you can get energy independent and we've like fought wars over fossil fuels and energy in the past. There's nothing more destructive than war. Probably. Right. I mean, to your point, Stephen, like I think the game theory of AI just doesn't make it controllable because let's say you are a smaller country, you're less developed than the, the major players, like, but you have some skill, you have capital, you have human capital like what better way to accelerate your country's economic power and lift up your people than say, hey, we're going to make a stamp in this area where you get incredible leverage. We talk about productivity on the receiving end for AI, but if your country is producing it, exporting it outwards, like you can do a lot with a very small group of talented people. So I think like the game theory says that you could desell it for six months, nine months, 12 months maybe but you're not going to do it completely. It seems like the best play is to just go as quickly as possible so that you can somehow harness AI to check AI in a particular way. Like it's best to just make sure you have like the biggest gun, I guess, so that at least you're in possession of that and you're like a, a good person, quote unquote, as everybody thinks they are. Um, and that like the, the bad people, you know, don't get the, don't get that gun. So actually, like I've I've asked this um, off air in our little conversations over and over again. Like I've never really understood like the Eliezer uh, thesis, where it's like AI is going to kill us all. Like it's it's over, right? And and I've asked um, sort of just everybody I could find. Like, give me an example of how that works, right? Because. <laughs> Uh, and what I'm, I'm I'm saying that to allude to maybe this like counterpoint to what we've been saying that like AI is not containable. Like maybe the maybe we're being a little short sighted that the the downsides of AI can be contained. Like if you can insulate your populace from the downside of AI, maybe maybe that is worthwhile. And like I don't know the specific examples of what the downsides of AI are. And that's you know my first question. Second one is. You know, if you can give me specific examples, well, maybe having some decel type mentality helps. I don't know if it's in like helps. specific examples. I think it's in the the human's inability to understand how fast the technology could compound to be something so much smarter and more capable than we think. And then it's like, well, then the scenarios like open up from okay, from well, there. It, like that that ambiguity is the part that I've always sort of like had a problem with because we've been saying the same thing with like the Y2K. Remember when <laughs> Y2K was fucking around? We thought like 
Oh my God! Yeah, a lot of people made a lot of money off Y two K. World's gonna die. Y two K computers are gonna shut off. It's like this ambiguous amorphous sphere that, like, I mean, t- I'm I'm with you. I, yeah. I want to see something tell bad happen, what, not because tell I me want what we can prevent and we can prevent it. Well, I just want to see, wait until something bad happens, not because I want people to get hurt or die or anything like well, that, I, but just, I just want to know, okay, this, give is, me, a, this give, is an example. Give me an example of a, of a future I could, I mean, I could give you like a billion examples, right? Okay, AI shoots the fucking nukes up? Like, is that no, one? Like, no, you, you're taking it too far, right? You're, you're going all the way to the end where like AI okay. becomes sentient and decides it wants to eliminate humans. I feel like this should be its own way, pop. Like, like, how does AI kill us? Way, it's its own No, pop. AI doesn't have to kill us. Humans using AI kill us. Misinformation like, is the easiest one. Yeah, like imagine like everybody just has access to like super intelligent AGI, right? And it can create anything. And like imagine it knows how to like synthesize pathogens and stuff like that and then you just get it in the hands of like a terrorist who just wants to like kill everybody in america and he uses agi to synthesize like a virus like, oh, they gave me something right. i can buy at home depot Wait, like that's on. like the scary thing and that that's like that's gonna happen way before ai becomes like sentient and like escapes and like on its own so kind of you're just saying that with more knowledge humans are so much more dangerous but like you still have to like manufacture the pathogens like that that's yeah not but there's, like that there's people with malintent on this earth. I mean, you can agree with that argument. And that they don't know how to fucking combine two chemicals Well, right maybe now? find it easier, cheaper, easier to transport, like easier to spread. What we found with, like, chat GBT is, like, all it does is, like, make Googling easier. Well, we're it's obviously not, not, not talking fucking... about it now. We're talking <laughs> about it times 10,000. Okay, I'm just, I'm trying to hone in because I, I, I like where this is going. I, or I or what if, what if uh, you know, an agent can spin up 10,000 Twitter accounts and also knows how to get a following and build up credibility over time and then those 10,000 Twitter accounts are in the hands cool. of like... how do we one... hire this guy? <laughs> 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 it's kind of like just giving everybody... Like it would, it would be a bad world, right? If everybody just had like their own nuke, yeah, right, their own suitcase nuke. But this is like what we could get to, like where everybody's just basically wielding their own sort of like digital nuke in a way. Like if you had intelligence that was like that powerful, that it and the, and it didn't have like proper checks and it could be used in particular mm. ways, it could, you can kind of see how that. It just it only takes one, right? It only takes one in a billion people. I don't know. My my thought there goes to like um, startups, which you guys are very familiar with. It's like the idea alone is so worthless. It's about the execution. Like just having more information doesn't make you strong. It's like you gotta execute. You gotta like do it, and that's hard. Yeah, but I think you're just like underestimating what AGI could be. Oh, right? totally. You know? I don't even comprehend what it could but so, be. Like so none of us comprehend Don't worry about getting there. Just be. realize that you have the behavioral human bias of not being able to get there. I don't think that the knowledge is like the the bridge we can't cross today. Like you can Google anything. You're still talking no, about No, you can't like like the, for for example, like there there are all these like pr- like very complicated like uh protein folding questions like that like uh, you know, the likes of Google like puts like insane amount of compute power to solve right you, there's there's plenty of like very difficult questions you can't solve by googling there's stuff that's like currently unknowable by humanity that will probably become knowable in the future when we have this sort of tech and you have to also understand that these technology the, these breakthroughs will like they'll make other breakthroughs and breakthroughs and breakthroughs and breakthroughs on top of breakthroughs and you might not be able to conceive of like how easy it could be to to do things in the future because of all the breakthroughs that are sort of I mean stacked upon that. I I'm still 
mostly optimistic. Like I'm excited for it in longevity. And, um, you know, if I think if we could stay alive for an extra year longer, you get probably another six months for free because, you know, technology studies, you know, molecules will be developed. So yeah, yeah. Every day that you're alive is like an extra six days. Yeah, maybe, maybe. And, and that's really interesting or, or drug discovery or, you know, there's, there's so many different ways. So, um, I would like to continue this conversation in the discord with people because like even everything that we just said is still so esoteric in my mind that I, like, I can't even, I can't make this tangible for me to understand what the risk is. It's like, oh, well, you don't even understand the, the connections we can make. Yeah. It's like, I don't understand. I, I'm, I want Armand in this conversation next yeah. too because he's obviously building with it. Um, I believe he's an open AI developer. He's going to kill the world. But I think he would understand the power of it more, more than us. Maybe we'll find AI that can uh, kick off a podcast without a hitch. <laughs> maybe. We should try that, actually. <laughs> uh, Jordan should, GPT? We should definitely try maybe? that. Uh, it, it ain't right, easy Jordan, out here, yeah, folks. You're out. We're doing uh, pod, pod producer GPTs. And Jordan, He's like, please please you guys, leave. good luck Jordan, next week. Yeah. Don't, you, don't you dare not show up. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever these guys say, we need you. Um. All right, guys. Well, heartfelt, happy Thanksgiving from the Alpha Alpha crew here to your home, your friends, your family. Even if you're a national, you don't celebrate. Either way, we're grateful for you. We're gracious that you spend your time and your week with us. And uh, we could talk all night, but you could probably can't listen all night. So I think we'll wrap it up there. Yeah, it's been really fun. I want to see photos of your spreads. Give me some photos. and uh, Yeah, I want to see all that food porn. Yeah, yeah hop in the Discord, have some fun with Any, us. Any uh, turduckins. Um, collect the uh, episode collectibles to get entered into the uh, Zbotics giveaway, and we'll announce the winner next week. All right, guys. All right, sounds good.